Hello. Hi, how are you doing? Welcome back to the Daily Bible Reading Show. I have just turned on my camera after spending the afternoon chatting with a new friend, John. Thanks for hanging out with me this afternoon. Uh, I met John for the first time today after making friends uh, on Instagram. This is the first time we met in person. Uh, thanks for coming all the way. We had a really good chat for like two hours. It's really good talking about life, talking about all the people we knew in common. It's kind of like that, you know, um, you just dig and dig and dig. You find that, hey, actually, you know this person as well. So that was cool. Just to make a few shout outs, uh, Marcus, where is my banana suit? <laughs> Well, you can keep it if you want. Yeah, so um, uh, nice to meet uh, a couple of guys from Bible study yesterday, just walking out in town, uh, having ice cream. Cambridge is so small. Uh, Digby in the comment, very nice to bump into you. And I hope you're enjoying, I think you're playing squash today or something. Uh, also, thanks to um, uh, uh, the couple of friends who came over for dinner yesterday. I'm meeting up with lots of people just to say goodbye, but these are actually people uh, I've only gotten to know recently. And so it's nice to say goodbye to new friends as well, as well as old, but these are new friends. And a couple of them came for dinner yesterday. Uh, they're friends from uh, Japan actually, and had a really good conversation uh, about life in Japan. Apparently if you drop your wallet, just go to the police station the next morning, it will be there. It, it, it's guaranteed to be there. Apparently the culture is such that it's so other person centered, so polite, um, so honor driven that you would not even think of stealing a wallet that's on the ground. You just bring it to the police station. The owner comes the next morning and picks it up. Well, yeah, I think those are the people that I met just in the last, I don't know, 12 hours or so. so. Um, but yeah, Cambridge is really small. It's really easy, easy to make friends, but I'm thankful for the friends who stay in touch. I'll miss all of you. Anyway, anyway, um, this is just a really random blog post. Not blog post, why am I talking about podcast? <laughs> I'm so old school, I'm still thinking of those blogs where you have to write things down and post it on a web page. We are beyond that. We're looking at uh, things that happened this week and I'm just doing a brain dump of all the stuff that happened this week. Beginning with um, Chinese church, Chinese church. I visited the Chinese church in Milton Keynes. Uh, thank you guys so much for uh, that barbecue, that welcome, just your friendships all these years. So that's one thing I'm gonna talk about. I'm gonna talk about the Chinese church. I'm also gonna talk about, um, what was it, EMA. Yeah, um, that's happening in a week. I made a video about it a few days ago, but I feel, I feel there's just a little bit more to say about this because I've been listening to old EMA talks. This is the Evangelical Ministry Alliance, Assembly, sorry, a gathering of pastors around the country once a year, and it's happening next week. And I've been listening to talks from 36 years ago by Philip Jensen, so I have some thoughts about that. And finally, just this morning, I've been posting a lot of Instagram posts about seminary, about Bible colleges. Um, and this is in response to an article written by the former dean, was it, or president of Gordon-Conwell, suggesting that seminaries need to adapt to the changing needs of the church. And I was just reflecting on seminaries or Bible colleges here in the UK. Yeah, 
so yeah so those are the three kind of like sketches of the things I'm knocking around my bra brain in my head that I think I just want to reflect upon and just make a record of in this podcast the Chinese church EMA um, seminaries so let's begin with the Chinese church which I love I love talking about the Chinese church because I really come to appreciate how God is working through the Chinese churches, especially here in the UK. Uh, the last six weeks or so, I've been visiting different Chinese churches around the UK, um, London Chinese Alliance Church, uh, Chinese Church in London. That was the first time I went there. That was so encouraging and it was so good to build those new relationships with people I never met before. But LCAC, London Chinese Alliance Church, I know Brad from a long, long, long time ago, possibly like forever, like 12, 13 years ago. Leicester Church, um, they are always so welcoming and um, I think they're the ones I connect with the most in terms of life stage, lots of young adults and well, older adults like me there as well. But most recently this Sunday, Milton Keynes Chinese Church, Chinese Christian Church, MKCCC. <laughs> and I think I'll just, I'll just talk about Milton Keynes. Sorry about the rest, but you know, I'll, I'll, I'll be talking about this the entire day. But Milton Keynes, oh man, we go back, way, way, way back. And it's all down to you. It's you guys who took a risk to invite me over to speak that very first time. It was because of Ian Ma. Ian Ma, you're in Hong Kong now. Um, you invited me over. And I remember receiving that email from Christine, who sent me that email years and years ago and turning up not knowing what to expect. And that's because this was, I think, the first kind of like external um, invitation I ever had. I never, never ever had a desire to leave Cambridge, you know, busy enough to doing stuff here, serving in a Chinese church here. But Milton Keynes just seemed interesting because Milton Keynes is also where COCM, the headquarters of the Chinese Overseas Christian Mission, it's in COCM. And I wanted to connect with the workers there. So Ian Ma, uh, other people uh, like, um, I think Vivian was there at that point of time, Wendy was there as well, more recently Lawrence, and just a bunch of young adults who were raised up to serve the second generation Chinese. So they're Chinese, but they grew up eating fish and chips, watching Doctor Who. They all speak English, and the whole service was in English, and so I could speak in English because I don't speak in Chinese. I'm a banana. But you guys invited me, and that was so, so cool. I gave you such bad talks back then. It's, it's still bad, but it was really, really bad, bad back then. But it allowed me to have the opportunity to meet with you, to get me to know you better, especially over lockdown. So over lockdown, you invited me even more uh, and it gave me the opportunity to practice my talks. So I'm always practicing all these half-baked talks in Milton Keynes, trying them out and then polishing them and giving a better version here. In <laughs> no, actually, no, that's true. I don't, I don't ever recycle my talks. So, so you guys got whatever I prepared specially for you guys. But okay, the special thing, special thing that I really thank God for that really helped me to see something that I never saw before in Milton Keynes was when you guys opened up physically uh, after lockdown last year, that first service. I, I remember that first service. There were so many things that were just so new that was happening just on that one Sunday because it was the first time the first time after like one and a half years, this was would have been July or maybe August 
I think some sometime around there, <laughs> almost a year ago. Uh, after one and a half years of being in lockdown, you were meeting together physically. And this was in a school you'd never met in before. Uh, I think you couldn't meet in the former premises and you were taking a chance. You booked this huge place, your huge halls, and you thought, no one will come. <laughs> no one will come because people are still worried about COVID. And honestly, everyone didn't know how to, what to expect. And you had to set up as well everything in this new venue. And I remember queues, queues of people outside this huge hall leading all the way to the car park. It was, it was scary. I mean, it was exciting for me, but it was scary for you guys because we'd never met these people before. All these people who had come from Hong Kong, who had migrated to the UK were just waiting. They were just waiting for the opportunity to go to church. And they came, all of them in one go. <laughs> I remember, was it like 80, 90 people just in the English congregation? All these kids who, um, who I don't know, didn't speak English, uh, had only just arrived in the UK didn't know anyone. You're just sitting there so quietly. That's the thing about Chinese kids. They're so obedient. They're just so quiet. But you felt so sorry for them because it was such a, such a strange environment for them to be in this huge, huge hall, not knowing anyone. And fast forward a year on, everyone's best friends. It's amazing. The, the amount of progress and fruit that has resulted from, I'm sure, that investment of time and love and ministry over this past one year. It's, it just, it's, it's just amazing. It's amazing to see these same kids. They don't seem like they say, but they're loving one another. They're loving church. And I remember particularly this one teenager who apparently didn't even speak much English one year ago. And this week was helping with the, the, the PowerPoint stayed back and was singing during the practice jam session. It was so cool. People just hung around after the service jamming new Christian songs. And you said that was a way of just getting other people to be involved in a music team. And then after that, hanging around and, and, and you know, one of, the, one of the sisters gave her a lift back. And she was saying, oh, wow, you know, I remember the first time you came. You said, talking to me, first time you came, you gave that first talk. And I was like, oh, no, I'm, I'm so sorry. That was such a bad talk because I made that illustration about Popcat. <laughs> and she remembered it. I was so embarrassed. But, but she said that was so memorable. And I think the whole experience of coming to the church was memorable. And one year later, being part of the church. You know, you know, I, was, I was amazed that within a year, you know, that one teenager plus also basically everyone there was part of the church. Well done. Well done. I was just so amazed with how God has blessed you with these numbers that you could not have, not have expected, but you've responded with follow-up, with love, with friendship, all those evenings of youth programs, all those barbecues, and oh, I know that that was like the first barbecue, but all those events with food and stuff, and just getting to know the kids, helping them to go know one another, helping them, helping them to know Christ and to grow in godliness, to know God, all that is just amazing. It's down to the group of individuals, of young adults who just persevered, who just worked together and have really just served to one another. And I look forward to that. Every time I go down, honestly, I look forward to just learning so much 
from you guys. You know, you guys work in teams and you're constantly training the next team. So music team, always training another new team. That was a first time for a new team as well that Sunday. You know, people doing AV was passing on to other AV people. So um, Angus was passing on to this teenager and training her to do, use it for the first time. That was great as well. Everyone is constantly passing on what they know and holding on loosely to that ministry and entrusting it to other people. And that's just such a biblical-minded thing to do in ministry and serving one another, helping them grow in confidence in serving Christ. I really, really admire that. And you're just so close. You just work together so well. Um, even in a barbecue. So after church, you know, after the jam session, after the long, they just hung around in church the whole day. After that, we had barbecue. And I was in this guy's house. He just opened up his whole house. And everyone just kind of like worked together to cook this massive amount of food. Apparently, it was a barbecue the day before. And so the leftovers from that, they used it that day as well as, as well as more food. There's just so, so much, so much amazing food. And there were two stations of barbecues and people just cooking and cooking and eating and eating and talking and then sang karaoke. And then uh, I think he just sang karaoke the whole night until it was like really, really late. And they just hung around with one another. And I said to them, you know, why, why aren't you sick of one another? <laughs> you guys really, really love hanging out with one another. I mean, after the whole day in church, you were, you were together till I left at, was it 10, 10 something? And I was wiped out, uh, but you guys are still there. Uh, thanks to Lawrence, you know, doing all the washing. Thanks to um, uh, Gary for opening up, your, opening up your house, letting us trash the place. You know, I think there's just so much togetherness and love in this fellowship that has this history. I think I know, you guys know, and I know as well that, you know, it hasn't always been this way. I kept hearing, hearing that phrase, it hasn't always been this way. You know, we've been through a lot, but it's because of that. We are so thankful for what we have right now. And I think that's just a testament to God's grace. You know, you learn to serve one another, love one another. And you say stuff like, you know, Milton Keynes is so boring. There's nothing else to do except to hang out in each other's houses. But you're doing that. You know, you're making the most of Milton Keynes, having <laughs> nothing to do. But you do have something to do. You're loving one another, you're serving together. And to me at least, that is so, 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 so special. Um, yeah, so, um, so Milton Keynes is just one of the Chinese churches that's experiencing this huge explosive growth. Over the past year, you know, God has brought uh, lots and lots of uh, migrants from Hong Kong who are looking for churches. You know, many of them are already Christians, mature Christians, arriving as families, bringing their kids. And so Sunday schools are exploding. You know, Chinese services, Cantonese services are doubling, tripling, and it's a sustained growth. It's still growing. <laughs> it's still growing. And the churches have responded in such an amazingly encouraging way. This coming Saturday in Milken Keynes, they're having this welcome event. Now, if I said to you, welcome event, uh, how many people do you expect to turn up? How many people, you know, you're welcoming people, you know, just arriving in the city and you want to set up stalls, food, uh, football, they're doing all that. How many people would you say, okay, that's it, we can, we, we, that, that's as many as we can cater for? 1,400 <laughs> at the last count. 1,400. 
hundred. It's I I cannot imagine it. I think it's it's growing. Then I think there is a cap. But so far as of last Sunday, that was how many they had registered. All these new families arriving in a city, and you're welcoming them, helping them to settle in, you know, find homes, literal homes, schools. You know, kids finding new friends, and. And I think the Chinese church has just risen to that challenge of being welcomers. And it's just, it's, it's wonderful. It's very touching, actually. It's so hard. I know it's, it's crazy. It's insane. There's this one lady who is, who is doing this whole thing of, um, of organizing it. And she's, she's amazing. And I, 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 I'm in awe that you even agree to do this. And I ask you, why are you doing this? You know, why are you putting all this time? Is it just that you have this gift or this desire? And she just said, well, that's what they've done for me, for my kids. I saw how sacrificial the leaders have been in loving my family. It just makes sense. It just makes sense for me to do the same. And there's, again, that knock-on effect of faithfulness, of sacrifice, of love that you see happening that's infectious, that you just do almost naturally because someone's done that for you. And again, this is, this is typical. It's happening all around the country. Every, everywhere you go, everywhere you go. I went to London, Sunday school exploded. <laughs> everywhere around the country, um, migrants are coming in, and I think they're going to be several million over the next few years. And there's a kind of timeliness. You have to respond now. You cannot wait because they're arriving now. It makes a difference now. And they've been doing this not just now, but for the past year. And people are getting tired, they're getting burnt out, but they're responding to a need. Now, I say this in the context of the UK. Now, here in the UK, and if you're serving in the UK, you're going to a regular UK church, everything I just heard might be news. You're going, that's crazy. You know, how can a church grow two times, three times in just a weekend? It is. It, that's what's happening. But you're thinking, I, I can't believe that. I don't see that. And I think many people, especially in local churches, many local Anglican churches, which is the predominant denomination here in the UK, are exp experiencing a kind of diminishing numbers, a kind of decline that makes them almost suspicious of this growth, almost cynical of this kind of growth. Oh, it's just a fad. Oh, you know, these guys, you know, they're just there because a crowd attracts a crowd, that kind of thing. I would say, you know what, I think you would be encouraged. I think, I think if you just saw this happening with your own eyes and you had the grace in your heart to rejoice on behalf of others, I think, I think it would do something to your soul that would encourage you that God, God knows what He's doing. In the midst of the pandemic, in the midst of the changing demographics of church attendances, that kind of thing. God is growing His church and it's all to His glory. And I wonder, I wonder, again, with the Anglican church being the most well-resourced, the, the longest big brother church being here in the UK, uh, I wonder if you have a role to play in this growth, in this change, in this transformation of the church here in the UK. It might not be the kind of change that you're looking for, you're hoping for, but it's happening, it's happening. And I wonder if you could be part of that change. Anyway, um, that's just a reflection on the first thing, Chinese church, Chinese church. I could talk about this the whole day. I'm just filled with so much joy, so much wonder at how 
you know, just faithfulness is seen in the midst of sacrifice. Faithfulness is seen over time. Faithfulness is seen in relationship when you respond in love to needs and to people, to kids, and to, you know, just, just, just uh, to, 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 I don't know. I don't know what I'm thinking about. I'm, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just speaking <laughs> uh, words. But yeah, it, it is amazing. It is amazing. I thank God for that. So that's the Chinese church. That's the first thing I want to talk about. The second thing was uh, EMA, EMA. And I, I remember sitting in this exact uh, a position a few days ago making a video about EMA. It was a very painful video. I do apologize if it offended you. I think I'm sure it did. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't a nice thing to do. Um, and, and the last thing I said there was that I remember how I used to get enthusiastic about EMA, again, it's this gathering, this huge conference of Bible teachers. And, you know, I'm a Bible teacher. I love the Bible. I love teaching the Bible in such a way that people want to learn the Bible. I, I, I love that. I think that's a kind of synergy, a kind of partnership that goes in, 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 in that kind of relationship. And when that happens on a scale uh, that's not just large, but amidst people who do this, every day in ministry, that you see the priority of the gospel or bringing people to a knowledge of God in His Word, the way that He wants us to hear it in clarity and in and, 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 and a Christ-honoring in a gospel way, you know, it makes me excited. But somehow, somehow I'm struggling to be excited about this year's EMA. So I went away after that last video and I, I actually went to listen to some old talks from the EMA 36 years ago. <laughs> really long time ago, 36 years ago, 1986. And this was the three talks by Philip Jensen. He's an Australian brought in to speak to all these English Anglicans. And basically, basically what happened in these talks was he just let it rip. <laughs> he, just, he just whacked them on the head, telling them that they are too beholden to their tradition, that they aren't bold enough for the gospel, and they're playing it too safe. And you would think that, that that would seem too harsh, too critical. It was so, so encouraging, so, so to the point, so, so clear, and so, so relevant. Today, you know, it's 36 years ago, but today, it seems like something that we needed to hear. Um, he was talking about something about flexibility, about gospel flexibility. He was saying how important it is for us to be flexible in the way that we preach the gospel. Now, this comes from an inflexibility. You know, you need to be sure that the gospel is unchanging. You need to make that the priority and not move from that. That needs to be the center. Don't move from that. People criticize you, stick to that. But with that inflexibility comes the importance of flexibility. Everything else, therefore, should be negotiable. And the argument is this. The things that you are not willing to be inflexible about then becomes the same level of importance as the gospel. So let me say this again. The gospel is inflexible, but if you have anything else that's inflexible, essentially you're saying that that's the gospel as well. And that could be you know, having drums in church, going online, or you know, even meeting on a Sunday. You're, you're just inflexible at everything and anything because that's the way that you think. But as a result, that becomes your gospel and the gospel is no longer your gospel. I just want that very, very convicting very, very helpful, <laughs> and very, very relevant. I think, I think there are just so many things that we're used to now post-COVID that we want to get to pre-COVID. We just want to get things back to the way it was and so that 
we don't have to change. All the changes that happened, there was an inconvenience, you know, that was needed at that point of time, it played its role, but that's it. And we want to go back to the way things were. I feel that that's how EMEA has reverted. Now, I, I want to justify that slightly because I don't say that lightly. I don't say this as someone who's just looking from the outside because the last couple of years, EMEA, I thought it was amazing. And he was doing lockdown, is really, really tough. But just the kind of effort they showed in trying to get people to come to the MA. So not even talking about the content or the talks, but just the kind of sincerity and the effort and, the, and, and, just, and, and just getting the word out. If you look at last year and the years before, there were just so much positive, come and join, come and be encouraged. It's tough out there. We want to serve you, we want to give you equipping, we want to encourage you so that you can serve during this period of difficulty. And there are just so many of these videos. There are so many other people involved. There's a lot of clarity as to what was going to happen. And when it did happen, it was just so joyful to see that so much had been done in preparation. This year, this year, if you want to register, first of all, it's hard even to find out where it's going to be. I'm not sure you realize it. It's hard to find even the location. There's a web page with all the conferences there, are, I mean, it's three conferences there, but it's, you have to scroll down. And then the program is a draft program. There is no online component, I understand that. But at the same time, the on-site component of this, which is essentially you come and join us, it seems to be just appealing to the people who used to go before. You know, uh, uh, it's almost like saying, you guys know what to expect. You guys were here before, come back, come back, you know, come back and, and enjoy EMA the way that you remember it. Now, now, this might be very unfair, but you know, I already know a little bit of, about EMA, you know, some of the people involved and familiar with the ministry, it's really, really good, it's very, very effective. You guys are at the top of your game. I'm thinking of people who've never heard of it before, and I'm trying to get them to come. They'll be looking at it going, what's, what's this? <laughs> what are you asking me to sign up for for three whole days? There seems to be just a cut and paste copy of each single day. And, and there are no topics, no It's just, understand what they're trying to do. They're trying to get the same old, same old people to come back to, to the same old, same old program, which is great, great encouraging people, doing great ministry, who need to be encouraged in the way that they understand. But there's no room for anyone outside. And what I found really, really refreshing was, again, 36 years ago, I dug out these old talks that were just audio, you know, no video, just this guy talking as an outsider into the situation here in the UK. And he was just, 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 just talking about how the gospel is at the center of his ministry, which is the center of ours, but that means he's challenging us to do things differently, to respond to the new challenges of the gospel. 36 years ago, 36 years ago, he's telling us to do this. And now when it is so obvious that so much has changed and the gospel hasn't, I'm not saying that it has, the gospel hasn't changed. Doesn't it make all the more sense that there needs to be this, this response, this, this, kind of, this kind of challenge, this kind of opportunity for us to meet this need, to be, to be motivated that, there, that God is doing something and God wants us to do something. Now I know that people are tired. I'm, I'm tired, you're tired. Everyone wants to be encouraged. But even that, you know, I, I, I don't get that, that that's the point of this meeting. 
the meeting seems almost like business-like. Seems like one of those academic conferences where people who are in the business of doing Bible teaching they come together because this is the flagship conference, the flagship meeting. But we have needs, we have challenges, and this is the one main opportunity to get everyone on the same page, going in the same direction. What is it? I want to. I want. I want to go there. I want all of us to be on the same page. Are, is that going to happen? Is 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 it? I mean. I hope it is. I hope it is. And maybe if it isn't, you know, we have what? How many days? Today is Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, five days, five days to think of it. You know, why not think of it? Why not put it out front? This is what we're going to talk about. Uh, it's what we're going to do. This is what our expectations are. And this is how we're going to find it in God's word. This is what we're going to do. And I still hope if you are watching this, why not? Why not do this? You're, you're gathering everyone together. Why not tell us what it is or recognize the challenges that we're facing and get us on the same page so we go in the same direction together, together. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm not optimistic, to be honest. I think it's going to be very interesting sessions on technical approaches to how to prepare a talk. It's going to be good. We're going to be awed by your ability to tease out stuff from the text. We're going to learn techniques and we're going to learn something along the way and be encouraged along the way. But you want, bam, you want right up front. This is what we're going to do. Almost a promise at the beginning of your talk. If you listen to this, you stay with us. This is where we're going. Make that promise and get us there. And even if you don't, then at least we know that that was the intention and the direction. And we can plan for it next year or something like that. I don't know. I don't know. Um, I'm conflicted. You know, I feel like I'm just going to listen to all these old talks instead because they seem to be speaking to me today. They seem to be ministering to me today. And this thing that is happening today seems to be ministering to the EMA off yesterday. <laughs> so ironic. It is it's just so strange. Yeah. Yeah. I made some quips about KVBC as well. Uh, I do apologize about it. I have the tremendous respect for KVBC. I had uh, some Yamcha session with the founder for KVBC with its humble beginnings. And I just want to say that actually I understand where you guys are coming from. And I see the need of having something someone come come from the outside to speak into our situation. That's the situation that happened in 1986 in EMA. That's the tradition that you're carrying on in KVBC. I think that is helpful. I think that is purposeful. Um, and I know that there was a response, there was a comment saying that that wasn't in actually the intention to have an outside voice. But but I think I think it's good. I, I think it serves a purpose. And, and, I, and the whole point of me using KVBC as an example is to say that that's the way it should be. I think that's helpful. You know, you're used to hearing just from your peers. This is the one opportunity for you to hear someone coming from the outside, to hear those hard truths coming from maybe even a stranger that you can even disagree with, but then you can talk about, you can objectively think about and go, hmm, maybe this guy has a point. And, and we just need to think of how to apply it in our context. Yeah, okay, so that's uh, Chinese Church, EMA. Anything else to say about EMA? Uh, if it comes to me, I'll, I'll bring it up. But yeah, EMA, 
happening next week. Um, I, I, for all it's worth, I, I hope, I hope it's good. Yeah. Or, or I hope you put it online. I really appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, finally, finally, um, well, what was it? Uh, seminary. Yeah, <laughs> for some reason. Um, I was talking about seminaries. I posted a couple of links this morning on my Instagram and Facebook page. And it was in response to this article that was written by a seminary uh, president. I think Gordon Conwell, the dean or something like that. He was, he was almost pleading pleading with the seminaries in the U.S. to respond in a gracious way to the needs of the church. And this is against the background of declining numbers. Less people are being trained to be pastors. And so the seminaries are having to sell off assets, having to fire staff. But his point was that um, that's not going to work. Even if you get more people to give you money, that's not going to work. Because uh, the seminaries need to respond to the needs of the church. And it's because of this kind of disconnect, this kind of irrelevance, this kind of like uh, perceived, uh, 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 again, disconnect between the seminary training and the pastoral application and ministry day-to-day -day work that people aren't looking at seminaries as the place to actually prepare for ministry. And I think... Um, He's saying this, I don't think it's, it's me saying this, and again, because of his background, I think it's just worth, worth, worth taking note of that. Uh, he uses words like, we need to embrace the church, we need to be fully committed, we need to go all in into stuff like you know, uh, hybrid learning, or uh, reaching out to churches, not having theological disagreements, keep us from taking in students from uh, slightly different backgrounds, and I think there's a kind of plea to be more gracious and friendly in our relationship with other churches. And again, I'm speaking as if I'm a seminary. I'm not a seminary professor. I don't work with a seminary. But it made me think of the local context here in the UK. I'm thinking of places like Cornhill, uh, places like Oak Hill. So Cornhill is a Bible handling course. It's once a week. You know, just look at a Bible, learn how to teach a Bible, that kind of thing. Oak Hill is a more traditional seminary, Bible college kind of thing. You do languages, you do ethics, you do history, you do Bible preaching, that kind of thing. And I see how these really, really good courses are almost exclusive. They're almost um, a, a training ground for certain networks. And if you're outside of this network, you don't quite uh, know, even know of it. And if you do go and you feel like a stranger, like an outsider. Now, these are very, very friendly, very accessible courses. I was just talking to someone just just an hour ago, telling him he should sign up for Cornhill because it will just he would just enjoy it. He'll benefit from it. I'm still a big fan of it. I still recommend it. I still think it's the best thing you can do with your time here in the UK. If you're here in the UK as a Christian, you should think at some point of time to go for one of these courses, either Cornhill as a lay training course or even Oak Hill if you want to best Bible training courses. I've written three references to th three students to go to Cornhill, to, to Oak Hill, sorry, the Bible college. So, you know, I'm, I'm speaking as someone who's invested some amount of attention and directed people into these courses. And yet, and yet my point is, I think um, it still is rather exclusive. And because of that, it's disconnected from even see, seeing, even realizing that the landscape, landscape has changed. I think it's slower in responding or even recognizing 
that there are new challenges that they're not meeting, that pastors will be encountering, will be struggling with, that they'll be going in unprepared for. And uh, uh, I don't think it's like that, that big a deal, but I think just that vibe is just worth addressing. The impression that people get if they're not within the, this network and considering, hey, should I go to Cornhill or Oak Hill? They might not feel as welcome as you think. Uh, again, thinking of Chinese churches, thinking of um, uh, maybe even charismatic churches who have uh, certain theological leanings. And um, again, you have students who go for these courses from these places, but then the impact is just at the individual level. It doesn't actually help them to think about how to serve and maybe even influence the church context that they're going back to. I think that's a wasted opportunity. It doesn't help them to think of applications of how they can bring gospel preaching, Bible emphasis into the church. Now you do this in your teaching in by the by the by the by the way, but you don't you, you don't even know the specific context to speak into. And so that might be the reason why you don't do this. But I think also maybe you don't believe that it can be done. Or, I mean, I, I know that you've had like Chinese church pastors join you in the past and serve there, but they do it on an individual basis. And sometimes the message seems to be that you need to leave the Chinese church. At least, at least I've gotten that, that said to me quite a few times already. Um, so I'm seeking from this, this might just be me. Maybe I'm the only person people say this to me, but they do say it to me. Yeah. So, so that's where I'm coming from. Uh, 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 an interesting thing just to note for, about uh, different church traditions. So, um, so Cornhill, Oak Hill tends to be conservative evangelical. Um, but if you go to uh, charismatic churches or maybe Pentecostal churches, uh, you might be surprised how you will find individuals in these traditions who are really serious about the Bible, who actually are almost responding to their church traditions in such a way that they think they want to change things, that it needs to be a more Christ-centered gospel proclaiming emphasis in their own churches. And they're looking for training or advice or guidance on how to do this. At least that's been my experience this past couple of years, actually. I, I made uh, a few friends, well, actually quite a lot of friends, back home in Malaysia over lockdown uh, it's still amazing how that happened because Instagram is, is crazy and it's insane. And I met them for the first time uh, when I went back in February. All of them were from uh, Pentecostal charismatic backgrounds. Well, there was one guy who wasn't, but everyone else, everyone else. And man, oh man, they were really, really serious about the Bible. <laughs> so I even went to, to some charismatic training Bible college. Said, what, how, how can that produce you? It does not make sense. But this was a guy who was reading all the right books, thinking all the right things. And it was truly very inspiring in a way that I haven't been when I've met some of the students I teach in the preaching class across the road. <laughs> who come from these theologically conservative churches. But these guys who don't come from that background, they're even more fired up, even more focused of the need to train themselves and to train others in reading the Bible and proclaim Christ in a way that really aligns themselves with the gospel. And I was thinking, you know, what an opportunity is there? What an opportunity there 
uh, to encourage everyone to gather together and maybe something that God is doing to bring everyone back to the gospel, to understand the gospel and to reignite the gospel in these churches that really needs to hear the gospel. And that's just, and, and I think, and I, I hope you hear that and you're encouraged. I hope you hear that and go, wow, really? You know, really that, that actually some of the, the, the influence and impact that uh, we as a Bible college or a Bible course could have could go beyond just the usual same old, same old suspects. And I think it can, but it takes a certain kind of friendliness and openness and strange, stranger welcomingness that, that we already advocate in our churches, but how much more amongst our leaders, amongst our Bible colleges, amongst, um, amongst places like the EMA and Oak Hill and Cornhill. It's just the vibe. It's just the responsiveness. It's just the willingness to respond in a flexible way because of the gospel. And the challenges aside, COVID aside, I think the gospel gives us a kind of mandate that we have to respond to the world in such a way that they hear the gospel, that they see that gospel is, 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 is central, but we are, able to, we are willing to go to them, to give it to them, to bring it to them, to proclaim it to them. Okay, all right, even I can tell that I'm rambling at this point of time. <laughs> yeah, um, but uh, you know, I have like a week and a bit to go, and I'm thinking, um, I want to leave on a positive note. This is not me burning bridges, but this is me speaking into friendships, into relationships, that I think, you know, I, I want, I, I, I think I want to speak this in the most loving and helpful way, than not to say it at all. Because I think people are thinking this, but they don't dare say it. People are struggling with this, but they're, 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 they're preoccupied with their own struggles and their own problems. And I think it's always helpful just to think outside ourselves, to see, seek encouragement and grace outside ourselves, because that's how the gospel works. The gospel is us centering ourselves on Christ seeing his sacrifice as what gives us that forgiveness and that reconciliation with God. And so the solution we're looking for is never in ourselves. It's even if God gives us all this grace, it's never in ourselves. It's always something that we look to God to pour out on us and perhaps even on others. And so it's kind of like this other person-centeredness, this kind of like outside ourselves, outside welcoming uh, perspective that I'm hoping to impart on anyone and everyone who's willing to hear me before I leave. Because I think, you know, there's an opportunity there. It isn't always realized. And now, especially after COVID, there's a tendency to just focus on us. You know, we have the resources, we have the gifts, but let's build ourselves up and then let that overflow to the rest. Um, there's a logic to that, but there's also a kind of um, uh, less than gracious way of doing ministry in that kind of frame of thinking. Um, yeah. Okay. All right. Well, this has been prolonged, too long. Thank you so much for listening. Um, I am going to uh, sort out dinner. Yeah. Eat out the leftovers from yesterday's dinner with my friends. And there'll be more opportunities to meet up with more friends over the next few days. If you're one of them, you want to meet up with this week. Um, uh, uh, honestly, I think the best way is is to arrange it with other people. I think I have a lot of one-to-ones that I don't really have many one-to-one -one slots anymore. But if you're willing to meet as a group with other people, 
I think that would be a way to encourage not just you and me and you, but us together. So if there's a context to that, I think that's that's maybe the best way to meet up and to have dinner and to say goodbye and for me to just express my appreciation to you as well. So yep, so that's going to happen over the next week and I fly back to Malaysia and then other stuff is going to happen. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Take care and God bless. This has been the Daily Bible King Kai show. <laughs>